0: Ask yourself this question, do you deserve an amazing retirement? The answer is yes, we all do. We just need the right guidance and the right plan to navigate through this retirement perfect storm that's brewing. That's what we do with the Deserve podcast. That's what it's all about. I'm Pat Charles-Ivanella, managing editor of Deserve magazine, and as always, I have the founder and CEO, Brett Sasso of Retirement Architecture. Hey, Brett, how you doing? Doing great, Pat. Brett, I hear we have a, another special guest today. Can you uh, fill us in?
1: Yeah. I, you know, as you know, I've, I've said it a few times that we've spent so many so many webinars and uh, seminars, and we always talk about this amazing network of, of top-level advisors that back us up, right? So we're out talking at the highest levels about why blueprints are a great way to position yourself into retirement. But it's not that easy, right? A blueprint, it's you can look it. at a blueprint and I could say, wow, that's a really cool blueprint, but somebody's got to build it. And that's where the challenge comes in. You, you can't just buy the book from Home Depot and go, you know, grab a hammer and a couple boards and go build that house. You're going to likely need a builder to build that. So the, the prints are inspirational. It's its kind of helping people see that there is a process that they can visualize that if they had the right builder, they could actually make it come true. So, um We've gone through probably probably about five six hundred advisors across the country, and you know some come and some go. Some are asked not to stay, and then there's some that I wouldn't dare let go. And and uh, we have a special guest coming on. He's actually on the West Coast, so I'm here in New York in our studios, and uh, Ed Guanel is out in California, so he's kind of uh, it's a little early for him, but it's almost lunchtime for us. So uh, Ed, you on the line? Yeah.
2: I am, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, Ed. How you doing?
1: So Ed is definitely what doing, we call man? part of our elite core. So these are the type of advisors where if a complex case comes through the blueprinting process and we have an advisor who needs a little help, you know, Ed is one of those guys that we put out there. So we try to do what we can do internally, but Ed is definitely one of our go-to people. Now, I've actually supported Ed on, on a couple calls, and maybe Ed will talk a little bit about that and – you know, how the how the conversation was received because the biggest challenge we have out there is people doubt or they are they have reservations or they think, oh God, I'm not gonna do this call. These people are gonna try to sell me something that's no good. And uh, you know, you, you have a very charismatic way of talking with people and they seem comfortable. And let's talk a little bit about comfort. How how do you manage to get past that uh, that initial nerves or that barrier that so many people put in front of them. What's been your success in, in kind of getting there quickly and, and getting people comfortable with you? What would you say is your, your abilities to do that? How would you relate that?
2: Yeah, I, you know, it's pretty simple. I, I think the most important thing is that you come from a perspective of educating the, the client. You know, the reality is in, in our business, yeah, As we try to grow our practice, not everybody is going to become a client. You just have to accept that. So you have to put your best foot forward and educate the client on, um, you know, the things that they're most interested in first and make sure that they're getting the information to make a good decision. I think the more that you educate them, the more comfortable down the road they're going to be to make a good decision. If you try to feed them through a fire hose and just get them to become a client, um, that's gonna work against you so, so badly. So I think, you know, the rapport building process for me is just really letting them know, like, hey, first of all, you know, we're here to address your concerns and I'm gonna give you as much time and as much information as you need to make a good decision for you and your family. So it so sounds I really like really just try to approach it from that standpoint.
1: So it sounds like you're a question guy. You ask a lot of questions, don't you?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the, you know, the more information I have, the better assessment I can make. And then the better um, information I can provide to the client to make sure that it's really tailored tailored to what it is that they're trying to accomplish. Right. Cause not every client is the same, you know, here in California, um, I have two offices. I have one in Southern California, and San Diego, and I have one in Sacramento. Um, the, my demographics are totally different. I guess. In Sacramento, I've got a lot of state employees. I've got a lot of, um, uh, people with big pensions, um, and in Southern California, I have more of the entrepreneurial type of clients, you know, people that have built a, built a business and they're approaching retirement from a savings standpoint. They don't have the big pensions. So you really have to find the, you know, ask a lot of questions to find out exactly what uh, the client is going to need from an information standpoint to make a good decision.
1: So, you know, Ed, I I often use the comparison or the the analogy of the medical field, right? So I I was down in Florida two years ago, and I had been flying a lot. You know, I'd been over to uh, Ohio. I think I was down to Dallas. I'd just been on airplanes. You know, this is funny because I think now I've only been on one airplane in a year, but I used to be traveling almost on a weekly or, you know, every couple of weeks I'd be on an airplane. And I, I got to Florida and I had this massive sinus pain in my nose. And You know, I thought, oh, I got an infection. I better go see a doctor. And I met a doctor. So it was a walk-in clinic. And uh, the doctor was the coolest guy in the world because he sat and he talked to me for a while. And he wasn't just trying to run me through and get me out the office and hit the ring, you know, the cash register. And when he started talking to me, he said, you know, Brad, I don't think you have a sinus infection. And I said, why? And he goes, the signs aren't there. He says, I think you've got something really different. And I don't want to medicate you for something I don't think you have. Now, it it was about him asking me questions. By the way, it ended up being that my tubes in my ears from the pressure in the cabins of up and down on the airplanes actually had compressed the tubes in my ears, and it was creating this pressure. So I didn't need medicine. I just needed, he goes, you want a painkiller? I said, no, as long as I'm not sick, I'm not afraid of the pain. I just don't, you know, I didn't want to make sure I had an infection in there. So if I would have gone to another doctor... I probably would have walked in and said, I think I got a sinus infection, probably would have hit me with a CPAC or something that I didn't need, you know, poison in my body with with antibiotics I didn't need to have in me. And that would have been my experience. So, you know, the fact that you do that, and, and I do it as well, I like to ask questions. I want to know about people and what they're going through, and I want to know their aspirations. What do you really want to do? Why did you work all these years? And And that's right. one of the things that people struggle with is, why did you work all these years? Was it just to quit and, and sit in a rocking chair? Or do you have these these dreams that you want to do? Um, what's, Ed, that,
0: what's that cliche you use about prognosis or a diagnosis?
1: Well, no, prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. And it is absolutely, no, absolutely. true in the financial world. It's completely true. Ed, tell me a little bit about your book that you didn't send me yet, by the way. I'm still waiting for my copy, uh, the signed <laughs> copy of Ed's book. Uh, nav- uh, I'll
2: get that out to you this week.
1: <laughs> Navigating the Tides of Retirement. And I know you're a sailor, so uh, or at least a boatsman. So tell me a little bit about your book.
2: Yeah, so the book is Navigating the Tides of Retirement. I, I put that together back in 2016. Um, I think it was when we published it. And the funny story about that book is, um, you know, I used to speak a lot around the country to diff- at different seminars and things like that um, and, uh, conferences, other advisors. And somebody said, Oh, wow. You, you know, you explained social security really well. You should write a book on it. I well, I don't know anything about writing a book. So they said, well, you know, I'm going to put you in touch with a, with a publisher and an editor. And we'll get that done for you. So I said, okay. So the first chapter I wrote, of course, was on social security. Well, that, that ended up being chapter four <laughs> because editors move things around. Right.
1: Yeah.
2: And I get a I I get a call, um, in 20, uh, late 2015, as we were going to print, publish, and all this good stuff. When, when the, when the rules changed the social security and the editor said, you know, we gotta, we gotta rewrite chapter four. And I, I said, well, what's chapter four she said, it's social security. I said, well, what happened? Why, why are we rewriting it? She goes, they changed all the rules. I said, Oh my God, you're right. They did. Right. So anyway, the book is really, um, you know, if, if you take one of my retirement seminars, um, I can only talk to people for about an hour. So this is the nuts and bolts of what I teach in my retirement seminars. And it's really just a, a basic approach to retirement planning. And the, the three main things that, you know, Brett, you, you've talked about this for years, and I've been talking about it for years. You know, I always tell people the three largest threats to your retirement are taxes, inflation, and rising health care costs. And oftentimes when we sit down and meet with people, we say, you know, what are you most concerned about? And they say, oh, yeah, I don't want to go through a stock market crash. I'm just about to retire. Well, stock market risk is easy to remove yourself from. You, you can get out of the market, but taxes inflation and healthcare costs are moving targets that we have no control over. Right. I mean, just look at what the current administration is doing uh, from a tax perspective. So now we've got to shift lane yeah. with our clients to help them address these, uh, these tax issues. And so, my book just kind of outlines the process that people can go through, um, you know, whether they're do-it-yourselfers and they manage their own retirement, or if they're working with an advisor, you know, this is the roadmap to help you navigate your way through all these different things that can come up. You know, I, I'm not a sailor, I'm a motor boater. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a big thing down in San Diego, they're like, are you sail or motor? And uh, you know, there's a big sailing community down there, so they kind of look down at us motor boaters like we're <laughs> cheaters. But You know, you talk to any sailor and they'll tell you they've been out in situations where the water was flat, the sun was up, and then 10 minutes later, all of a sudden, they're in five, six, seven foot swells, and they're having to figure out a new plan. So, that's where I came up with the title, Navigating the Tides of Retirement, because things can change so quickly in your retirement. You know, retirement's not linear, right? And nor are stock market returns. If it was, we would be out of business. People wouldn't need to have advisors.
1: Exactly. Right.
2: Yeah. The book, the book really just lays out, um, you know, a process that people can follow to make adjustments to offset those types of risks when they present themselves.
1: So, Ed, I, I know that I deal with a lot of the uh, the bulls out there, right? So, people have now had about twelve years where it's been onward and upward, upward, and that behavior side. So, that's the third thing I throw in there. too. a fourth thing, in, in your scenario, would be the fourth, which is that investment behavior. And I'm, I'm really believing that's going to be the, the the driving force for people to follow the next bubble burst to the bottom. And I, I keep saying it and people are like, Nah, no, nah, no, nah. I'll get out when the market goes down. And I'll say, OK, well, tell me what happened with COVID. Did you get out at the bottom of the market with COVID? Well, no. I said, well, why did you really know that the market was going to bounce back in another three months and, and hit new highs? Were you that good at projecting the, the future of the of the virus? which by the way, we didn't have a a vaccine at that time, what made the market come back? So what are your thoughts on the investment behavior and and this new, thing. It's not new, but I've been pushing out this trust triangle and, and why it's, yeah. it's sometimes a good mm-hmm. idea to have a, a two experts. And there's a lot of people listening. We're up over, I forget how many people subscribe now, but this is actually becoming a popular podcast, which I'm so yeah. excited about. So tell, talk a little bit about that in your experience. What about behavior? What do you think that's going to add to that equation of risk in one's retirement?
2: I, you know, it's such a great question because well first thing is we have to realize that for, you know, for retail investors, um, investing is very emotional and the hardest thing for people to do is remove themselves from the emotional attachment that they have to their investment. So when they see volatility in the market, when they see the market going down, oftentimes their decisions are driven by emotion. And, what we have to do as advisors is help be that barrier between the emotional side and the logical side of investing and so it's funny you bring up covid i just had an appointment um, on wednesday with a client who came in she's a, a new prospective client and she came in with her husband and the husband sold in march i think on march 2030 sold the portfolio moved to cash they're still in cash mm. and so now they're wanting to get back in, the market's at an all time high. That was the emotional side of him thinking, oh my God, the market's going down. I'm retired. I don't want to lose everything. Let me get out. And now he's missed this huge run up back, you know, to where the market is today, and he's trying to re enter the market at a at a high point. Same thing happened in two thousand seven, eight, nine. I mean, I had people coming into my office at you know, 2015, 2016, 2017 that were in cash since 2010, they're just yeah. waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yep. And they've missed this opportunity because the emotional side of it, and, and hey, I do it too sometimes. You know, I watch certain stocks and I've got money in the market and sometimes I go, oh my God, what's happening here? Let me make an emotional decision. And then I think on it and I go, wait a second. You know, think logically here. Okay, what's gonna happen here? And, and, and that's one of the reasons why, Brett, I don't manage my own money, I'm, I have a small amount, but. I have somebody else manage my actual retirement portfolio because I don't want to screw it up
1: because yeah. of my own
2: emotions. Cause right? you're
1: emotional. Yeah. You're emotionally it, connected to it. Right. Absolutely.
2: So I think, you know, for, for us as advisors, we need to make sure that we want to address that emotional side. One of the things that I do, that's probably, you know, what most advice does, I do quarterly reviews with my clients, believe it or not, people are like, Oh my God, how do you do so many reviews? I see, you no, know, I said I set aside the time to do that because that's how I'm gonna manage the short term emotions of my clients. Is if we can talk about the things that are happening and see what their thoughts are on those different topics, then you know, we can absolutely try to manage those emotions before they go and make those those decisions that could end up hurting them.
1: And that's probably one of the hardest things. I know I'm kind of a motor geek, you know, I used to build car motors and things. And there was an old saying, if you put the distributor in wrong, you're out of time and the engine will never run. And the problem when you do get scared, so the person did get scared, bottom of the market, COVID, oh my gosh, I'm, I, my money's going to go away. This could go on for years decades, who knows? So the, the problem was it was that all in, all out. And then the problem with timing is... You know, coming in and trying to get back in at the height of the market. My God, that could be devastating for somebody if their timing becomes off. And they could be constantly fighting the timing of the markets. And the challenge was that he didn't have someone that could be that other voice of reason, right? The safe money person. If you're going into retirement, and we talk about this all the time, you shouldn't be so exposed to the equities all the time. There should be a portion of safe money. And I know you subscribe to that same thinking, Ed. So, how do you advise someone how to determine how much of their money should be in the safe bucket, let's call it, versus that other money that you know what maybe they didn't get out of the market all the way, but it's not all of one or the other at any given time. How do you handle that with people? How do you how do you best prepare for that?
2: Yeah, it's, it's all about income in retirement, right? I always tell people that first. In order to retire, you need income. In order to stay retired you need sustainable income. So we start with there, what's our income picture look like? If I have a client, like I said, my demographics are different in Northern California or Southern California. In Northern California, I have clients with big pensions, social security, their 401Ks are just kind of extra money. So we can say, okay, you can can have a little bit more exposure into the market, okay? But if you want this element of safety, we have to make sure that we find the proper balance. And that's where the allocation comes in and managing that allocation through volatility. In Southern California, like I said, I have more entrepreneurial type people there that don't have big pensions. They've worked for private companies and now they've got to fund their retirement with their savings and their IRAs and their 401k. Now we know we can't take that same risk exposure, so we have to find the balance. How are we going to generate all the income that you need adjusted for inflation and make sure that you never run out of money? Also, we have to address the unforeseen things that can happen, right? One of the big things that people tend to fail to, to, to not really address is catastrophic illness, right? What happens if you become injured or incapacitated? How are you gonna pay for that level of care? So we right. gotta make sure that we protect these assets, okay? It's not just about growth. We, we don't wanna forego growth, of course. We wanna make sure that our assets are growing. We wanna keep pace with inflation so that we don't lose spending power, right? You look at Social Security, and I think over the last 20 years, Social Security has lost about 25 to 30% of its purchasing power, right? So that's a big issue. Inflation is going to get traction here really soon in, in uh, our economy. And that's going to be very detrimental to people that are on fixed income.
1: Yeah. And I so think we're already after, seeing it, right? We're already seeing signs of inflation. Well, it's everywhere. If you look at your gas pump, I mean, it's not just because uh, Dallas got a cold week. This is inflation guys. Exactly. Yeah.
2: I, I, exactly. I mean, just look at the price at the pumps. I mean, right here at my, my local gas station by my house, it's up almost a dollar uh, from where it was about a month and a half ago. And so you know, that's, that, that's a big number there. And, and and unfortunately for people on fixed income, they're going to have to start making some decisions. Do they fill the tank all the way up or do they go halfway and then go get groceries? And that's going to be a tough decision to make for people. So we really, you know, back to your original question, how do you find that balance of safety and risk is we really look at it from an income standpoint and you have to approach it from that standpoint to make sure that the clients are going to have all the income they need. You know, I always tell clients this, you know, we're we're close to the San Francisco Giants here, and I say, look, I want to make sure that you can go to as many—you know—you'll never be able to buy the Giants, but you can go to as many games as you <laughs> like and buy a hot dog and a beer. And that's what we—that's the approach that we really try to take.
1: Boy, it sounds good to go to a ball game again. I just—they uh, just said in New York they're going to let twenty uh, percent of Yankee Stadium. Uh, and I know you're a Yankees fan. It's—they're uh going to let twenty yeah. percent. Can you imagine that? beautiful stadium with 20% of the people. I hope they don't put the cardboard because that won't work in New York. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And there's something absolutely magical about it. So I I am hoping we do get back to that normalcy. There's a, there's. If you've never been to a Yankee game, you don't have to be a Yankee fan. But if you ever want to go to a, a great ball game, boy, the Yankee Stadium is just a. It's an experience for anyone traveling around. So yeah, I got, for
2: sure, I've I've been a couple times there. It's great.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I'll tell you, that's... if
2: you ever get out to San Francisco, the Giants Stadium is gorgeous
1: also. Yeah, maybe that would be one of my bucket list things. And again, this is part of what we do for our for the retirement blueprint, is I actually have a page in there. It's the Dream Board page. And I try to get people to actually believe in that and say, it's not a gimmick. It's real. And and the problem with retirement is it's such a compressed window. And when you look at it. It's March, right? I mean, where does the time go? How how did yeah. we get out of 2020, which was a, a horrible year for so many things? And now we're already burning March up. We're going to be, I think tomorrow is the first day of spring. So, you know, time is flying by and, and to have that dream board. So if, if I'm coming to you. Hey, Brett, yeah. Brett
2: you, know, you know what? what? You're, you're right. I, I get in that argument all the time. People always think the 21st is the first day of spring. But the 20th is the first day of spring, and I
1: know that because tomorrow is my 50th birthday. Oh, happy nice. Birthday. Well, happy birthday. Yeah. Good for you. Thank you. Thank That's you. awesome. Yeah, so you do know the, the right day. Yeah, so I, I guess the Equinox is the 21st or something, right? Isn't that when they balance exactly. is? There you go. A uh, little weather skill there. So uh if I know, so now let me put myself in the client role because I, I, I would be very comfortable with you as an advisor and I'm the client. I walk in and I got these blueprints, right? These retirement blueprints. I, I saw this crazy TV commercial. I didn't know what the heck they were. I got the blueprints and I walk in and I say, you know, hey, hey, Mr. Guano, how, what do I do with this stuff? And I I've, I've see this dream board. And I actually filled that out. Would that be helpful for you if I actually had these different things I want to do in retirement? Does that advance the conversation? Does that help you if I walk in with that done?
2: Absolutely. That dream board's huge, right? The client you and I just recently were working with together, um, we started out the process of going through that blueprint and getting it nice and dialed for them. And we had a few meetings with them. And then they were, you know, we talked about the dream board because this you know, these are expenses, right? Everything's about expenses and income in retirement. And so we have to know what's your dream? You know, oftentimes when I sit down with clients and we talk about, you know, the main question they ask, right, Ed, when can I retire? I go, that's the wrong question. The question is how much income do you want in retirement, right? And once we know that number, then we can start to kind of reverse engineer the process and get to that dream board. Because what do you want to do in retirement? What does retirement look like for you? You know, if you say, I just want to play golf every day. Okay, what's the average cost of golf? Do you want to go to Pebble Beach? Do you plan to travel? Let's put the dream board together and see how we're going to budget this. Because sometimes you tell a client, well, it looks like you're ready to retire. And then they come to you and go, hey, we're going to buy an RV. <laughs> what? We didn't <laughs> talk about that, you know? Um,
0: you know where, where'd that
2: come up? You know, yeah. How'd that come up? Oh, well, we went to an RV show the other day. Oh my God. We didn't yeah. talk about that. So let's, let's kind of write this stuff out. Let's put it on paper. When you visualize things, you know, it's, it's like a calendar, right? When you put something into a calendar, it becomes an appointment. It becomes real. Yeah, It's something that you commit to. It's the same thing in retirement. Let's make our commitments upfront. So we know how to budget for these commitments. And you know, I had, I went through this process with a client where that's exactly what happened. They came to me and said, "Hey, we're going to buy an RV." And I said, "Oh my God, I didn't even know you people liked RVs." <laughs> and they go, "Yeah, the one we saw is like $190,000. I said, oh, "What? That is not in your retirement budget. So let's let's look on you know RV Trader. Let's find something nice that's used that you guys can see if you even like RVs." Right. Well, guess what? That was four years ago. They don't own an RV anymore.
1: Yeah, I always said, I, I've always had that dream. I, I am one of those people that would love to see every nook and corner of America. And But I always said, I will buy the RV. If I get one, I'll buy it on a an, at a used uh, half price sale, right? It'll be so cheap when you buy them used. And my plan would be is to wherever I get sick of it, I want to take it to the local consignment shop and fly home. I say, because I know I'm right. never going to want to do that forever. So, you, well, know, I, you know, it's, it, it's
2: funny when, when we bought our boat, we bought our boat used. And, you know, I said, I'm not going to take the depreciation on this, boat, we bought it used. And the minute we bought it, we closed on the deal. I told my wife, I said, OK, you are not allowed to go to boat shows, <laughs> OK, because you're going to see all the next greatest stuff. Yeah, there's always a bigger one, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we,
2: we we put ourselves on boat show restriction and I had to tell my clients the same thing. I said, look, you know, let's think about this logically. I get it. You want to, you know, you want to live your life. You want to do these things. Let, let's look for an RV in the 50 to 60 grand range and then see if that works for you. And if so, then we'll talk about how we might be able to upgrade down the road. But I can't let you make this big expenditure because that's not in your your income plan, right? And, you know, sure enough, and I told him, I said, you guys are not allowed to go to RV shows for the first two years that you own this.
1: (laughs) You know, know, it's funny, though, Ed, because people don't think that they should be prepared to have that conversation, right? And that's when I I put the dream board in there, everybody kind of looked at me funny. I actually had a dream board. Like, I I thought the dream board is a is a – like you say, it's like a calendar. I know I wanted to hit certain things. I want to have certain things in my life and you got to have a goal. So it's it's very interesting to think here you are, you know, a financial guru. You want to help people, but you're asking them about their RV. It's just important for everyone out there. If you're listening to this podcast today, don't look at that dream board as being something that's just an extra piece of paper. It's not what it's there for. It could potentially be one of the most important pages in your blueprint is knowing what you want to try to do so you can convey that over to your financial expert who can look at it and say, OK, how serious are you are and, and look at the conversation you created. I love the, the the meeting that we did. So you and I did a Zoom call together and yeah. it, it was a it was a great couple. I love them. I, I've, I've mentioned them not by name, but to other people since. And I said, you know, it was really interesting. Uh, I think they're both engineers. I know she's an engineer and I think he was in some yeah. sort of engineering. But it was a, it was such a split in in the couple because she was like, OK, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And he kept looking at her like, what are you talking about? Who, who said right. we were going to do that? We're, we're not going right, to spend right. that kind of money. What are you talking about? And it was just it was great to watch the couple actually starting to come together on finance, where most couples drift apart on finance, and and I Absolutely. love that part of what we do, and, and, and it was just great, and I know you were watching it happen, too. It was kind of funny at times, but we were watching a couple kind of finally talk about finance together, and they probably never have. They probably just found it wasn't something interesting for the couple to talk about, but they really got into it with us, and a couple of the nicest people I think we've ever met uh, on Zoom calls. It was just a great, great experience, yeah. and-
2: and I, yeah, I chatted with them yesterday briefly with uh, with the husband, and, you know, they're so excited about the blueprint being able to um, have that laid out for them in such a detailed uh, manner that now they can see, right? They can actually see from beginning to end based on certain projections that we made that were, you know, not unrealistic projections. Um, I always, I, I'm a very conservative guy when I talk numbers with clients, and I always tell them, look, I'd rather under promise and over deliver. So whenever I do portfolio analysis, I stress test the hell out of my portfolios at a four and a half to 5% return. And you know, if we can achieve our goals at those types of returns, you've won the game. There's no reason to overextend yourself right. in the risk category. Once you've won the game, it just doesn't make sense to do that to yourself. Right. And And now we've just got a whole bunch of other, you know, um, challenges these days with taxes going where they're going. And, and here in California, we we passed Proposition 19, which now um, if you transfer um, a, a resident, a, a property to a family member, it automatically gets reassessed at the current value. So you, you still get to step up in basis if you sell it, but now you get taxed at the current value. And so we've got an area here in Sacramento called the Fabulous 40s. Where the first generation of those homes are starting to pass away and leave it to their kids. Wow. Well, they paid, you know, 70, 80, 90,000 for those homes in the forties. And now they're worth 1. 1.2, 1. 1.3 million. And so we've got to address this issue for our clients because the people inheriting these properties are our clients. And so we have to show them how to avoid these tax traps that are constantly popping up. And I, I don't see them getting fewer. I see them, I see them being more.
1: Well, more I think, tax
2: traps down the road.
1: Yeah, I think we're all on that t- same page. And I I, tr- I spend a lot of time on helping people see more into why, not just being told. You, Everybody can have an opinion. Yeah, taxes will be high. I try to make the case. I try to be like an attorney in front of a jury. And I want to present my case to say, now you, the jury, decide, will taxes be higher in your retirement or not? And I know that that's being very effective. It seems to be the thing I get the most nice mail from. I get nice emails. and I get bad emails. The nice email is always like, you've brought my, you've made me focus on taxes. I never thought about them as being part of my retirement. And let's face it, Ed, taxes could be 25 to 45% of everything you've ever saved could be, could be lost by taxation, right?
2: Absolutely. I mean, we're here, we're in California, so we, we know that, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, and I'm on the I'm in the, I'm in the other in. blue
1: state. I'm in New York. We have the same challenge. I'm in the I other blue know. state, so you know, I just it is. It uh, this is. is a terrible time of year because now the the property taxes were paid in September. And we now have the next uh, round of taxes just came through in January, and now we have to, you know, I don't know what Tax Liberation Day is anymore. It used to be I think in May, but I don't even know where the heck that that date's going to end up in the future. So, yeah, um, cover well, some. I think
2: the big one of the big surprises for a lot of people in retirement is that they're. They go into retirement believing they're going to be in a lower tax bracket. And like I said, in California, up here in Northern California, the people retire at 55 or 60 with a good pension, Social Security. And then over the last 10 years, they've seen their 401Ks balloon, right, grow substantially. And then they hit 70 and a half or 72 now. And all of a sudden, they're taking thirty and $40,000 RMBs and they're saying, whoa what just happened here? I just jumped up into the tire. Yes. Bracket.
1: Yes. Yep. And it's
2: like, we had 10 years to address this issue for you, right? If we, the sooner we start those plant that planning process on taking the, the, the tax challenge by the horn and start to address those issues now, the more you're going to save on taxes down the road. And I always tell people you save more money, you make more money by saving on taxes than you do by making more money.
1: There you go. I agree. 110%. Well, I, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day. I know it was sh- short notice. I'm, I'm glad you had time to come on and do the podcast. It's it's great information. I know that we're getting more and more people subscribing to this and having people like you in our network just further solidifies how, how important the uh, retirement architecture work is and how to get retirement right. It isn't it isn't luck, folks. It's about careful planning. It's about having conversation. It's about good people. And uh, I'm happy to bring people like Ed uh, to the table to help you out there. So if you're out in the uh, LA market, there's a good chance if you've got one of our blueprints, you might be talking to Ed Guano from uh, either San Diego or up in... Sacramento. So, uh, Ed, thank you. So, I can't wait to see you. I hope to get on an airplane and come out and uh, you'll have no problem getting me to San Diego. It's one of my favorite locations in the country. I I love that little area just north of San Diego, that Vista Escondido area. It's just magic up there weather-wise. Well, we'd love to have you. I plan on it. I will definitely get out to see you. So, Ed, thanks for joining uh, the Deserved Podcast. On behalf of Pat Charles, Ivanella, Anthony I, who's running our board again today and our good friend Ed, uh, I appreciate everyone who has time to to check out our podcast. Uh, you all deserve Anytime, you all deserve an amazing retirement, and this team will get it done. So uh, thanks, Ed. You
2: betcha, you guys. Anytime.
0: Hi, this is Pat Charles-Ivanella, Managing Editor of Deserve Magazine. I want to once again thank Ed Guano, founder and president of Guano Wealth Management. If you live in the Sacramento or San Diego area, please reach out to Ed at edgwealth.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our Deserve podcast. And please visit our Deserve Magazine at deservemagazine.com.